He has risen. I know it's not Easter, but the still reality is true this Sunday, is it not? He has risen. And because he has, we are here to worship. Turn with your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. For those of you who keep track of these things, uh, today we'll be in 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3. During Palm Sunday, we uh, did a little bit of a springboard into chapter 2 already, talking about the living stones that God has made us and that we are connected to Christ, the ultimate living stone. So today we're going to circle back and pick up the first three verses of chapter 2 as Peter exhorts us, having tasted the goodness of God, to grow in our salvation. Oh, that is my hope and prayer, Orangewood, that each and every one of us would grow in our love uh, and our passion and our mercy uh, toward our great God. Let's read God's word together, holy and inerrant God's word. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. And now Peter is going to quote Psalm 34. If you have tasted the goodness of the Lord. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, there is nothing, there is nothing that tastes as sweet than it brings goodness to our souls and to our body as you and your presence and your word. Oh, Father God, we ask that you would do that which only you can do, that you would be pleased to speak through one who is not good in and of himself, one who desperately needs to hear the message in which he is preaching, a broken vessel. So, Father, because of your goodness and for your glory and for the health of your people, would you come and speak to us Would you open up our ears to hear your voice? Would you open up our minds to understand your truth? Will you soften our hearts so that we can embrace your reality? Father, would you empower our feet so we would walk in a manner worthy of the gospel? And Father, the things that are true and contain the good news of Jesus Christ that are said, would you use those things to make us more like Jesus? And the things that I say that are merely my opinion or that are wrong, may they quickly fall away and be forgotten. Father, we pray that you and you alone receive glory and that we receive great joy and encouragement and challenge. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. My sister Allison had cancer surgery this week. It was on Tuesday that she uh, went under the knife and had surgery. And our family's prayer all week leading into this surgery was that God would receive maximum glory. That was our prayer. Our prayer that was, was for whatever was going to transpire, whatever was going to happen, that God would be glorified. And really, that's about the best prayer we can offer, is it not? I mean, I was kind of proud of our prayer. I was thinking this is a great prayer to have. Uh, Maybe this prayer even could be a lever kind of used on God saying, God, I want your glory. And and really, I want you to glorify yourself to the maximum amount. I think that's going to be good because, listen, what brings God most glory always is best for us. Always brings us most joy. 
And so I also thought, you know what, what would bring God most glory? I mean, what will, what will really, will people have to stop and say, wow, praise be to God. And what I believe would bring God most glory was that when they rushed her in or they, they brought her into surgery, they would open her up and say, there's no cancer here. Praise God. She's cured. She's free of cancer. It's gone. To me, that was maximum glory. Well, as the hours of the clock ticked away and we passed the four-hour mark, I knew that maximum glory for God was not the removal completely of the cancer. As a matter of fact, the doctor said that the cancer was very pervasive. It wasn't gone. It was all over her abdomen area. They removed the appendix. They cleaned up every organ they could. There was resectioning. And it was all over. The doctor said, it's probably been growing for five or six years. And she cut out all the cancer that she could. Because we know that the cancer is going to take away life. I mean, cancer is going to kill the good cells that are living. Cancer and good health, they, they just don't mix. Well, Peter is calling us to grow in our salvation. He's saying for all of those of us by God's grace who have been born again, he says in 123 and 13 that for those of us who are God's, who amazingly God has chosen to be his own, we are born again. And Peter now is calling us to grow in the respect of our salvation, that we are to cut out the bad, cut out that which will stunt our growth, and we are to fertilize the good. That which will cause us to grow. And God is calling us to grow in respect to our salvation. Well, we begin by growing according to what Peter has for us this morning through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We begin by growing in our salvation by cutting out the cancer. Look again at verse 1. Therefore, because we are born again... Therefore, put aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Cut it out. Allison's doctor described her cancer as having the consistency of of what might be the inside of a fish. And she was trying to clear that all and clean that all out of uh, my sister's abdomen. She said it it looked like not just that substance. They looked like someone took sand and threw it inside her abdomen. And there, all the cancer was growing. And she said this to us. She said, you know, I cut out as much as I could. Maximum glory, God. Maximum glory. Why is there any there? Maximum glory, God. Maximum glory. Why is there any that remains? You see, sin is that cancer that grows inside of each one of us. And we are born with that condition. We are born with the cancer of sin that is going to reign in our lives until the day of the moment by God's grace that we are born again. But it's this sin, it's this sin in our lives that still has resonance in all of us that Peter is calling us that we need to cut it out. And really, it says this, we need to put it aside. We need to take it off. It's, it's like a garment. The sinful man, the sinfulness of, uh, that has been crucified in Christ. Peter's saying, take it off. Put it aside. And, 
The imagery I have is one who's being rushed into the ER room that needs to have their chest cleaned out. And there is a, a bloody garment. There is something that could be filled with disease and, and that could cause infection. And what do they do? They cut it off. So they can bring healing and cleansing. And Peter is challenging us. He says there's a cancer that lives in each one of us. A cancer of malice and of deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Cut it out. Because what it's going to do, it's going to stunt our growth. It's going to keep us from growing in salvation. And I love the reality because right there, look in 1 Peter 22 and 23. As he's calling us to this new life and being born again, he tells us that we are born again so that we can have a fervent love for one another. Isn't that beautiful? You see, God has given us new life and God has cured the cancer of sin so that we can first and foremost love our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And secondly, so that we can love one another as ourselves. That is God's call in our life. He says, sin is going to keep you from that. Cut it out. This malice is not going to allow you to love one another as God has intended. Having envy, having deceit, having hypocrisy, all of this slander, that's going to keep you from growing in salvation. It's going to keep you from loving God the way you should. It's going to keep you from loving one another the way you should. And then he calls us in verse 2 to be feeding on the pure milk of the word. It was really after the surgery, Allison's surgery, that the difficulty began. I mean, the four plus hours of waiting for the surgeon to come out. I mean, that was certainly difficult. But the real waiting game, the real waiting became when we had to wait for this pathology report. The report that would tell us what type of cancer it is and how we are to treat it. Because the doctor in her 25 years of experience says, I believe it's this one type of cancer, but I've never seen it have this growth pattern. And because of that, we have to wait for the pathology report to come back. And once we know that, we might know how to treat it. And it's that waiting game. It says waiting to know what, where do we go next. Have you had that waiting game? It's one of your pastors. I know you have. I know you've waited. I know you've, some of you have been waiting up for the call of a prodigal son. Some of you have been waiting for the latest results of your own battle with cancer. Some of you have been waiting for your, your children to turn to Christ. Some of you have been waiting for a long time. It's that waiting game that seems to kill us. But you know, it was important for us to get this pathology report back because we need to know what type of cancer it is so we knew how to treat it. We had to find out through this pathology report is if, if this cancer had what they call receptors, if it had the ability to receive certain medication that would kill it, that would put it to death. You see, God's word, God's pure and holy word, which he calls pure milk, has the ability to go into the sin and to kill it in our lives, to make us more like Christ. To identify that cancer that still remains in our lives and to drive it out so that we can have life and life abundantly. And we need to feed upon God's Word. All right, fill in the blank for me. Milk, it does. Very good. You guys have succumbed to marketing. Milk, it does the body good. But here's what God's Word says. God's Word is pure milk. It does so much better than just the body. God's Word, listen, it does the soul good. It does your life that will reign forever good. Feed upon God's Word. 
That's what it means. Therefore, what we need to do is devotionally feed upon God's Word. It's not enough that you just hear from me and listen, as long as God has graciously given me breath, I promise you to the best of my ability to preach God's Word, pure in an unadulterated fashion, so that we can grow together. But it needs to be more than just you and I coming together on Sunday mornings. You need to have time alone. You need to have time with God devotionally so you can feed upon this which is living and active. This which will drive away and identify the cancer in our lives. I'm amazed at how busy our lives are. And I'm amazed of all the activities we're involved in. Yet many of you still have time for working out. Many of you will carve in time for that which will do the body well. God has said, carve out devotional time. Carve out time to spend into God's word. Each of us, if you don't have it right now, if you don't have any time, carve out five minutes. Carve out seven. Get up a little bit earlier. There's 31 Proverbs. There's 31 days in the month, some months. Spend, read a proverb. Read, read through a gospel. Uh, read through the Psalms. This is God's living and, and active, pure word. We need to be feeding upon it. In our latest Discovering Orangewood class, there's a gentleman who, uh, when they came to the social hour at our house, he, he opened up why he came to Orangewood. It's a time for people to share why they came. And to be honest with you, I kind of love that part. And I'm always waiting for them to say, I've never heard greater preaching. Still waiting. And uh, this one guy said, I got to be honest with you, I, I came to Orangewood because I wanted my son to go to the school here and I want him to play baseball. And on the application, they said, where do you go to church? So I had to come to church home and I'm coming to Orangewood and unbelievably, my life is changing. And he says, I'm addicted to God's word. I'm addicted to this Bible. I can't put it down. It's just amazing. I just can't stop reading it. It's because he's realizing this is the pure milk of God's word and his life is changing. And his wife says, it's so true. It's true, he is a different man. It's a different family. Our whole family dynamics has changed because he has been feeding on God's word. That's why we encourage you to be in a C2 group, a small group that gathers around God's word so you can feed upon God's word and grow together. That's why we offer you these equipping center classes. And I gotta tell you, I'm really proud of our equipping center classes. We got some incredible uh, teachers from Dr. K, a, a teacher out at Reformed Theological Seminary and just even yesterday, I had to hear from my own dad. Do you know what a blessing Dr. K is to your church? Yes, dad. Almost as good as Moses, right next to it, you know. But he is an incredible blessing. And you know, Dr. Michael Middleton is, is leading an equipping center class with our young marrieds. And, and I'm getting, people are coming out and saying, that is the most incredible teaching I've ever heard. And I want to say, shut up. He's a great doctor. He's good looking. He can teach too. Will you give us a chance? But seriously, how awesome to have so many great teachers Right here. Are you involved in the equipping center? Do you come out and do you, do you have a chance to open up God's word and dig deep? Because it gives you life and it drives away the cancer. What about um, our women's ministry? Are you involved in our women's ministry on Tuesday mornings or Tuesday nights? Or men being involved in our band of brothers and a chance to really grow in God's word. And how many of you men, I know there's several that have had your life changed through this two-year study, this curriculum called CLC. How many of y'all have done the CLC or are involved in the CLC? It's changing guys' lives. I mean, Bill Talby's life has been changed because of spending two years feeding on God's word. He's a new man and he knows it. It's awesome. How many of y'all have been in BSF? And been a chance to feed on God's word and just see the change it has because God's word drives out the cancer of sin and it brings us life. 
You see, it says in verse 3 that we have tasted the goodness of the Lord as, he, as Peter quotes Psalm 34.8. Isn't it beautiful that we go to God's Word and it brings us life? He doesn't say, just go to my Word because you got to do it. But when we do it, we go there and we realize God is good. On Friday, we got the pathology report back. And it was great news. I mean, the news that we've been praying to receive, that the cancer is treatable. You ready for this? It's treatable with a hormonal treatment. Not even needing chemotherapy. It looks like we're out of the woods. It looks like she's going to be cured. We have tasted this week the goodness of the Lord. And I promise you, I've tasted it through my own tears to hear this report and say, Father, I rejoice in what you've done. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God, that you are rescuing my sister. Oh, the goodness of God. But I want you to know, if they sewed her up, right when they opened her up, they said, I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do. If the report was, we can't touch it. God is still good. How do we know that? Remember last week? Remember last week we celebrated the reality that our our Savior became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God? And remember last week the stone was rolled away and death no longer reigns, but life now reigns. And my sister has eternal life that will reign in her. One day her physical life will end, not her spiritual life. She has eternal life. And because of that, we have tasted that God is good. And we know it. Is God good? It's incredible to see the stories. It's incredible to hear the stories. God always aims and always receives maximum glory. Listen, maximum glory to Him may be different than maximum glory to us. But God does do all things, all things for His glory and our good. And we're going to hear from a couple of people who have tasted the goodness of God, even through difficulty, and are growing in His Word. I first ask Heather Ellis to come up and share. Heather's going to uh, come share with us uh, many things I love and admire about Heather, but one is she's got an absolute passion in her, for her walk with Jesus. Had the privilege of being with, in Mexico with her. Uh, she not only speaks a little bit of Spanish, she's studying French. So she's like really, really smart. So bonjour, buenos dias, merci beaucoup. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. I became a Christian uh, six and a half years ago. I was Catholic at the time, and I didn't know much about the Bible, and I didn't know much about Jesus for that matter. But I started reading the Bible, and it was like uh, that other man described. It was like a drug. It was addictive. I started inhaling it, um, and it was great, but I needed to talk with Christians. Um, I had a million questions. So I started coming to Orangewood, and I met Kathy Hogel. She was mature and wise, and I just glommed onto her like a tick. Um, along with Eli Moore and others, we started an accountability group, and a, a small group. And Eli and Kathy in particular really challenged me to get rid of some of the junk in my life. And we also were able to talk honestly about the hard questions of God and of faith. But then Kathy moved to Tennessee, and I was devastated who, who was I going to call when I, had, when I had a question? But God wanted me to stand on my own feet with him 
and come to him directly and come to the Bible directly. And so I did that. I kept going to the Tuesday morning uh, women's Bible study, but I prayed more and studied more on my own. And eventually I led, um, led another small group of women who had never been in a small group before and later began inviting Jehovah Witnesses into my home, much to my husband's chagrin, and uh, to, share, to try to share the real gospel with them. And sitting here, uh, listening to the preaching of the word, I would hear from God. I still hear from God. And sometimes I would get really specific direction in my life. So my, my growth and my growing up in salvation has been an awesome experience. Christ is, is so alive and so real. But even more amazing is how God has taken one person in my family, one believer, and used that to change the entire family. See, when I, I began to follow Christ, I was the only one in my family. I was the only one who wasn't just a cultural Christian. And at the time, uh, Sean and I had been married for a year and a half, and he was already used to me diving headfirst into new things, sometimes bizarre things. So he figured this Christian thing uh, would pass. Only it didn't. And uh, we started butting heads about money. So finally I suggested to him, why don't you find a guy to talk to, a Christian man that you can talk to about this? So he decided to talk to his boss, Lance, who is a, a strong Baptist Christian. Well, Sean and Lance went to lunch, and Sean explained that his wife had um, gone nuts, and we were having arguments about money, and, and he asked Lance for advice about how to handle finances in a marriage. Well, Lance looked at him and said, your problem isn't money. You're, you need to get right with God. And he invited Sean to Bible Study Fellowship, BSF, and Sean started going that same week. I, I was blown away. That was four years ago, and he's still going to BSF, but the the best part of it is that two years ago, about two years ago, he, he took that step and he became a true believer in Christ. And it hasn't, end there. It hasn't ended there. My parents, I, I don't think that they're believers yet, but my dad is, is reading C.S. Lewis. And my mom, for the first time in her life, is, is going to a Bible study. And my sister Meredith, um, when I, she was 18 when I became a Christian. And, uh, and boy, did I hammer her with Jesus. And uh, it, it didn't go over so well. Um, but now, in God's time, things are changing. She's moved in with us, and she wants to figure things out spiritually. She's reading the Bible. She comes to Orangewood. She's listening to me talk about her right now. Um, she's wrestling with God and wrestling with the gospel. Um, and it, it's great. And God is good, no matter how these stories um, end. So let me end with this. Jump in. Listen to God. When you pray, listen to God. When you read the Bible, when you, when you listen to Jeff preach God's word, and when you're in small groups with other people, with other Christians, listen to God and then act. Be different and be changed. Thanks. Thank you, Heather. Thanks for allowing God to powerfully work through your life. And another man who God has worked powerfully through, Butch Doyle. He asked me if I could give him some of my makeup that I put on every week. I told him, Butch, I don't have enough for you. But uh, I stole your joke, didn't I? Yeah, you did. But you slammed yeah. me twice in the early service, so I got you. And you told me this crowd would be the same size in early service, too. Not, not true. My name is Butch Doyle. Let me tell you something. For 36 years, I had the unbelievable pleasure and privilege of being a police officer in this great city. 
The last 14, I served as your police chief, something my elementary school teacher said was, was a miracle in itself. But anyway, what a, what a tremendous honor to be a part of this great community. Uh, life was good to me here. I came to Maitland when I was six months old. My mom died in childbirth. My dad brought me here from Brooklyn, New York, uh, raised me in, the, in, this, in this community, uh, raised up in the Presbyterian Church, the old First Presbyterian Church of Maitland. In fact, in, when I was 13, I was in the bulletin as being Butch Doyle, boy soprano, if you can believe that. <clears throat> I thought somebody would get a joke, a life out of that. Uh, joined the police department, like I said, had a, f- a phenomenal career. Uh, it went well. I, I'm like a lot of people. I believed in God, and I, and I trusted God, but I was like on the service road of life. I never got on that super highway with God. I'd get on every now and then when I needed something. I got on it when my dad caught me smoking a Marlboro in junior high school. Uh, I got on it when I was in the Navy, and I got in a little jam uh, uh, during some during interesting times. Uh, during, during other times in the... Uh, in the police profession, when I needed help, I sought God. But it was easy to get off that first exit and just go about life as, as you normally would because it's easy to do that. You just go to God when there's a crisis. That does not always work. And the words you see behind me are very, very true. And what you see before you is a, is a work in progress. I have a lot more work to do. But let me fast forward a little bit and tell you some things that brought me to where I am now. As I said, I was on the service road. Toward the, in the fall of uh, 2003, my career was winding down. I was able to pick my replacement, a fine young Christian man as a deacon in, a, in the Baptist church in Winter Park. Uh, he was going to take over the department, and I knew that he would do a good job. Uh, I had... Two wonderful children, a son that's now 30 and a daughter that's 35. Uh, I'd raised them as a single parent since the son, my son was 11 and my daughter was a 17, a senior in high school. Fantastic time growing up. They helped me mature through the years. Uh, just, just great and glorious things were happening. I had met a lady uh, during that fall right before my retirement. Actually, I met her about uh, a number of years before that, but we'd made wedding plans for the spring of the following year. This was the love of my life, the lady that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. I was up here. I, had, I couldn't go any further in my profession. I was the chief of police, okay? I was a good guy. I was doing all the things I could do. I had a wonderful family, all set to go. Retirement been, uh, function was held on the evening of October 24th, 2003. Eight hours later, I discovered that that person who was so close to my heart was having an affair. The affair was with a person that was a close personal friend of both of us. But that wasn't all. It was a woman. Now, there's some things a guy can compete with, but you can't compete with that. Uh, the next, the, the thing probably that, uh, that shocked me more than anything else, put me in a spiral. And actually, uh, the only other thing that came close to affecting me was when the Gators beat the Seminoles in football. <laughs> but I, uh, I kept my sense of humor and... Probably the person that, uh, that is most grateful for that is that other woman because I still was a police officer for another month and a half. And policemen are known to carry guns. But anyway, it put me in deep depression. Uh, I, I spiraled downward, I, I must say to you. And even though I was, uh, I was supposed to be a person that people came to for, for help and guidance and supposed to have the answers, I didn't have the answers. And rather than asking God for help, I asked God why. Uh, and it's easy to fix blame on God when things go bad. I've been active in the community in a, in a number of service clubs, and, and I was in the Maitland Men's Club and came to know a man by the name of Chuck Green, a rather unusual individual. 
those people who know him. But a man of immense faith, spirit, and counsel. And I met with Chuck, and we talked, and we talked, and we talked, because Chuck is good at doing that. Uh, But he brought me back down to earth and introduced me to the God that I should have known all along. That led me to meet another strange individual, and that is Jeff Jakes. Once I got over the fact that he liked the Yankees instead of the Red Sox, I was okay with the man. Between the two of them, there was, there was a lot of time spent talking. And I will tell you, and I, I, I can't be embarrassed anymore. I, I'm, not, uh, uh, I'm, I'm way, way beyond that. Uh, the thoughts that ran in, in my head went from one extreme to the other. My uh, father committed suicide when I was 20 years old the thought of self-destruction entered my mind. During the middle of these thoughts, uh, my first grandchild was born on November 17, 2003. So that was God's little jab, you know, hey, but it's not all that bad. Look at this gift I just gave you. That took my mind off of some things. And then being introduced to this church. And let me say something, that, and I don't want you to forget what I'm about to say. When Chuck Green and Jeff Jakes invited me to come to this church, the first time I walked through that door, I never met a stranger. And I haven't met a stranger since then. So you take pride in that because this is a family church. This is an awesome church. God has an awesome congregation here and a lot of people working in his name. But I felt at home. C2 group that I was involved with, they kept track of me. just any time I kind of get getting down, getting off the path, there was somebody there, you know, to bring me bring me along. Uh, things were starting to look good, and then cancer came back into my life, uh, a struggle that we're still going through today. But God has a plan for me, and I've accepted that, and it's going to be a good one. Uh, again, the words behind me are very appropriate. Let's go forward to August 2nd of of, of last year, I was in Tallahassee at a meeting. Uh, got a phone call from my daughter, and she asked me, could I come home? And I said, sure. So I hopped in a car and made good time on I-10 and I-75, hoping that any trooper to stop me might be somebody that I knew. <laughs> got home real quick, uh, met with her and her husband. By the way, both my children had, had previously moved out of town. They're back home. They're, they're in, the, in the greater Maitland area. So I uh, sat down with my daughter, and she told me that she, <clears throat> she's five months pregnant, uh, was diagnosed with advanced breast cancer, uh, but not a very favorable prognosis because it, it, it ravaged uh, her, her body. Um, she and her husband opted to not have any chemotherapy or take any drugs or do anything like that to give the baby the, uh, the best opportunity to survive. So... My daughter was fine with that because my daughter is, is, is a believer. Um, her brother and I are the ones that had a little bit of had more difficulty with it than anything else. But August 10th, surgery was scheduled to take place. And we're in the, in the room waiting for her to be wheeled out for surgery. And in walks this huge surgeon. I mean huge. He was bigger than Sid Cash, if you can imagine that. <laughs> Oh, there, you weren't here this morning when I said this the first time. <laughs> he was as nice a man as Sid Cash is. 
but what caught my eye was he had a lanyard around his neck with the hospital ID on it, and it said, God is great. And with him was an assistant with the same lanyard saying the same thing. And there wasn't a lot of conversation before this man held her hands and he started praying. And he never asked, could he pray? He never asked if I was a Christian. He never asked anything. He just prayed. And at the end of the prayer, he looked at my daughter, Christy, and he said, uh, these are God's hands and that she was going to be okay. <clears throat> I never had this trouble when I was writing a ticket. I don't know what the deal is. <clears throat> um, the surgery did take place, uh, and it was it was successful. Uh, he did remarkable work. Uh, Christy had had a few weeks of rest. Um, October sixth. A true gift of God was born. It's Andrew James, a perfectly healthy baby boy. <clears throat> AJ just celebrated his six-month birthday. Had his doctor's appointment. He is everything a healthy child should be. There is no problem with that child. My daughter did uh, 15 weeks of chemotherapy, one session a week every Thursday, five hours. One hour of Benadryl and four hours of, of the chemo and some other medication. Uh, prayers from friends here, along with prayers from a lot of other friends, I'm sure, sure helped her through that. <clears throat> I sat through every session with my daughter. She's 35, but she's still my little girl. After the, uh, and I saw what the chemotherapy did to her. Uh, we had a joke that actually, uh, for a while, I had more hair than she did. But uh, it has since started growing out, and now she tells me, look, Dad, I've got a lot more hair than you do. So, time, you know, things are changing. This, or tomorrow, she, she starts her last week of uh, radiation treatments. And those are every day. Uh, five days a week, just for a short period of time, but it's 7 o'clock every morning. And then we'll wait a few weeks and see what transpires from that. But, you know, uh, she, like I said, is a person of faith. She's accepted uh, whatever uh, will be will be because she knows it's going to be what is meant to be for her life. Um, we feel that the prognosis is going to be great. The radiation has gone well. Um, things things are, are good. Um, What I want to get across to you is that I was the one that had the problem all these years. God never had the problem. You know, I was the one that was not there where I should be. God was always there. I can look back and, and at times when I needed help or needed to be bailed out of something, and, and miraculously something happened to help me, and, and that was God. Uh, I didn't give credit where credit was due. Uh, I'm paying now <clears throat> because that's the right thing to do. They see, I guess the word is you pay forward. Uh, in that big book of credits and debits in the sky, there's a lot fewer red marks under Butch's name now than there used to be. 
uh, I'm rapidly trying to make myself right with God. What the future holds for, for all of us, we, we don't know, but I think it's very important that we pay attention to the words that are written behind me and that, that there is an obligation. There, the right thing to do is, is to be a person of God and to, and to help those people that you can to see the way and, and, take, and be happy for what God gives you and take the, take the maximum that you can out of every minute that you have breath in you and that your, your family does and make the most of it, and lead them and lead their friends to the path of God. Um, I can't begin to say how much this church has meant to me and how much the fact that now I can walk with God, how much that means to me. This is a fantastic family, um, and I'm a much better person for having become associated with you. I thank you. My family thanks you. Awesome. I love you, man. Wow. You know, the beautiful thing, Butch, is the reality in heaven when next to your name is Jesus' name. And all the only red marks we see are his blood and his righteousness. And oh, how he loves us. And oh, what joy is ours. So we're going to have a chance to respond by praying. Because we have tasted the goodness of God. And is he not good? So let's take a few moments. I'm going to start us off in prayer, and the worship team's going to come forward, and uh, we'll close. Reggie's going to close us in prayer. We'll sing the Lord's Prayer, and then we'll sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. But take a few moments and examine your heart even now. What can you call out to God and say, God, I am so thankful for whatever it is. Will you share it before the Lord and with one another? Let us pray together. Oh, Father God, I thank you for the incredible reality of your goodness and your kindness. Father, we've seen it in the face of Heather Ells, and we've seen it in the face of Butch Doyle. And Father, we thank you that both of them have tasted the reality of who you are and the goodness and the life that flows through your Son because through the power of the Spirit, and that they could stand before us and before you and say, God is good, and God's Word is causing me to grow. And Father, there's many here that are continue to struggle. And God, I pray for the Bradleys, Father God, in this, their battle. Would you please strengthen them, bring healing to Ken, bring strength to Dawn. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for uh, this incredible family, for Rachel, Michelle, and David. And Father, we thank you that you're a God who cares and a God who hears. And Father, right now, we join our hearts together and our voices together in prayer and sing your praises and say thank you. And Father, I'll begin by saying, Father, thank you for the health of my sister Allison. 